Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about five property investing mistakes that I've really witnessed over the last uh, 20 years. I guess one of the most interesting things that I do on a daily basis is meet investors. And I reckon I've literally met uh, tens of thousands of investors over the last 20 years. Um, and that's good because it provides me with an opportunity to reflect on past investment decision making uh, with the benefit of hindsight. And I notice that there's really some common themes. You know, when investors have invested in property and it hasn't worked out very well for them, uh, it tends to be only due to one of kind of a handful of mistakes. And so what I wanted to do is, is share the top five mistakes that I witness and then also talk about, you know, how can you go about avoiding uh, making those mistakes. And if you can avoid uh, all of these five mistakes, I think you're putting yourself well in front uh, in order to, you know, to do very well from investing in uh, property, particularly residential property. I think it's important to point out that mistakes don't occur as a result of random bad luck. Uh, in fact, I think uh, all financial mistakes are avoidable from the outset. And the reason is because typically the investor's done something fundamentally wrong. And therefore, if you uh, follow an evidence-based approach, you really do then reduce dramatically the chances of making one of those mistakes. So for example, if you're investing in the share market and you're investing trying to pick speculative shares that are going to give you 100% returns over the next 12 months, and you have a look back and say, okay, well, how successful has this strategy been for you know most investors? I think you'll find that the evidence is pretty weak. You know, I think you'll find that the evidence shows that uh, virtually no investors, you know, around the world uh, have been able to do that consistently well over many years and decades, uh, periods of time. So, uh, therefore, you could probably then conclude, well, I won't do the speculative share investing because it doesn't really work. So again, I can kind of point to, you know, why with these five mistakes, I can kind of point to why are they mistakes? Where's the evidence? And then where's the evidence that um, if you do A, B or C or D, that, you know, you'll mitigate making that mistake. The other thing I should point out is that I'm completely independent, that I'm not trying to invent these mistakes um, and that the solution is engage uh, my services. In fact, uh, it's not for, for all five of these um, these particular mistakes. It's in fact, if it's anything, engage other people's services, not mine. Uh, so again, as a, someone that's completely independent, I'm looking at it from the investor's uh, point of view. I'm putting myself in their shoes and looking back and saying, well, um, if we had our time again, what would have we done differently? Where was the mistake? Uh, and let's not repeat that mistake. And, you know, it's one of the benefits of... After 20 years, I can meet investors and they can benefit from the fact that I've been around for 20 years and I've seen a lot a lot of the good and but a lot more bad uh, and help them avoid uh, repeating those same mistakes. Okay, so without further delay, let's get into it. And the first mistake is using a buyer's agent to buy property outside of their domicile state. So for example, engaging a buyer's agent that uh, lives and operates their business in Sydney and they go and buy a property for you in Perth or Brisbane or something like that. Uh, I think that's a, a, a big mistake. 
Um, and it's something that's actually only started to occur over the last sort of five to seven years. Uh, prior to that, most buyers agents really did um, operate in a in a certain geographical uh, segment uh, when they were on the ground and so forth. So this is a relatively new mistake. And the reason why it's a mistake is that selecting a investment grade property is part art and part science. The science bit is all the objective considerations, you know, um, locality, land size, valuation, uh, land to building uh, ratio, zoning restrictions, ability to develop the property, uh, past growth, uh, demographics in the area, although some of those demographics uh, can be lagging indicators rather than lead- leading indicators. Uh, all those sorts of, the, it's really the data, if you like. Now, the data you and I can do, uh, you know, if we've got the time and, and certainly once we sort of upskill ourselves just a little bit, uh, most of us could uh, really objectively look at the data and, and try and understand it. Uh, and whether that's a property that's around the corner or whether it's a property that's uh, you know, a thousand kilometres away doesn't really matter. So that's one part of the analysis that's important. But really the, the reason why I'm engaging a buyer's agent is their experience. And in particular, their experience in a particular geographical location. You know, you want that local area knowledge. Things like, you know, we buy on the north side of the street, but the southern side of the street just underperforms for whatever reason. Or we don't buy this block of apartments because they've always had trouble with, you know, a well-functioning body corporate and they just don't spend enough money on it. Or they've got a, a problem uh, owner or something like that. Or we don't buy in this street because the tenant turnover is too high or because too many cars get broken into. You know, these sorts of things, and these are real life examples, but these are the sorts of things that you don't really learn uh, until after you buy the asset. And these are the sorts of things that you want to learn before you buy the asset from someone with that level of experience. So really, if I'm going to go and engage a buyer's agent, I really want that buyer's agent to have 10 plus more years experience in a particular geographical segment. That way, I know that they've seen different markets, different market conditions, different cycles, uh, uh, property transacting a number of times. Often, you know, the same property might transact a, a couple of times over that period of time. And so they've got the benefit of hindsight uh, and they've got that real on-the-ground experience that's going to help me avoid making a mistake that isn't an obvious mistake. And the reason it's an, it's not an obvious mistake is because it's based on subjective data, the art part of selecting property, rather than the objective consideration. Also, sometimes data alone will invite you to make a mistake. So sometimes the data tells a really good story, a positive story, but, you know, someone that has you know, on-the-ground knowledge will go, well, we'd never buy in that pocket for here's a bunch of reasons why. But it's not really reflective in the data. So my view is if you're going to engage a buyer's agent, which is a good thing to do, make sure they're buying in an area where they're the expert, uh, that they've lived and hopefully lived maybe and operated in that area certainly uh, for a long period of time. Okay, mistake number two uh, also is a more uh, recent one, uh, probably more over the last 10 years rather than the last 20. Um, But I've seen a a few investors particularly recently get bitten by this one and and it's buying a development site without sufficient due diligence. So uh, quite often a lot of investors are attracted to small scale developments and subdivisions 
So, for example, you might go and buy an old house in a good suburb and bulldoze it and build uh, two or three townhouses or something along those lines. Uh, and investors, I would imagine, are attracted to it because they think, oh, well, we can make a, a quick profit, um, uh, build some equity, manufacture some equity in that asset, uh, and then enjoy a, a pretty healthy rental yield as well. And I've talked about previously in uh, different episodes around uh, why it's uh, erroneous perhaps to focus on uh, rental yield and particularly rental yield alone. Uh, but the thing that I've seen occur is that uh, buyers, agents or particular businesses will recommend development sites uh, without doing enough due diligence, you know, without really understanding whether it's going to be profitable to develop that site. Uh, and, you know, it's uh, what, what's the saying that no one checks the oil in a hire car or rental car. Uh, you know, that's the whole point. They, they don't really have a lot of skin in the game. Uh, you know, and um, you're the one left holding the bag. So uh, we've seen a couple lately where clients have purchased and there might be a 2 or 3% profit to develop the asset. Well, you're just not going to do that. That's not going to cover your risk and there's not enough return uh, for that. Uh, so you've got to be careful. Uh, the other mistake we've seen is that, uh, again, a couple of times at least, uh, where an investor goes and buys a development site, it actually might be a good, a, a decent development site, but they can't get the finance to actually develop it. So they've got enough borrowing capacity to be able to make the first acquisition, but not enough borrowing capacity to, to fund the rest of the development. And of course, that's kind of pointless because if you can't actually uh, find the money or borrow the money to, to fund it, then you can't actually realise the profit. And so you've got to be careful then of people just trying to sell you transactions, trying to sell you property, uh, dress it up as a, a development site, a development opportunity. Uh, they will make their commission or, or um, fee very quickly and they move on to the next one and you're the one left holding the bag. So if you're going to do the developing thing, uh, make sure that the people that are advising you are doing enough due diligence. Uh, think about getting independent third-party advice from someone that's experienced uh, and make sure that you've got the borrowing capacity to be able to fund it. Okay, mistake number two is buying a newly constructed property. So that's either something that's been constructed in the last couple of years uh, or buying a property off the plan, so something that's not yet uh, been built. Uh, never have I seen an off-the-plan or a newly constructed property make a good investment. And the reason for that is, uh, I mean, there can be a, a few reasons. The main reason is that you know, newly constructed property is typically mostly building value uh, and only has a small land value component. And I've, I've spoken uh, many times about the importance of having a strong land value component because the land is the bit that's appreciating, whereas the building depreciates over time. The other problem is value or valuation. Uh, you don't really know what the property's worth. Um, of course, you've got the developer's profit margin built into it, which is going to be 20 maybe 30%, probably 20% into, in today's prices, uh, and um, which is fine, uh, you know, as long as the end value is truly its market value. But you don't really know because the property hasn't transacted before. So uh, it's difficult to get a, an idea of what is fair market value. Uh, and in the long run, after 20 years, I haven't seen one. I haven't seen one investor do well out of a newly constructed property. So certainly steer clear of them. Uh, the fourth, uh, which I've spoken about a couple of weeks ago, but too much emphasis on rental income, rental yield. Uh, so I, I did an episode last week about uh, about that and prioritising growth 
so capital growth over um, rental income. So feel free to have a look at that uh, episode again. But really, I see lots of investors try and balance out both. Uh, And as a result, they end up buying something a little bit further out, a little further away from the CBD. So it might be 20Ks away rather than 10Ks, just because they're chasing a little bit higher rental yield. You know, they think they get a little bit more home, a a better looking property uh, and more rental yield. But as a result, they're they're moving further away. Uh, So they've got less scarcity with that asset. And we know in the long run, scarcity is a, a critical component to drive capital growth. And finally, number five is not getting advice. So we're investing in property. We might be investing several hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of dollars. uh, And we typically don't have enough experience ourselves in order to um, uh, ensure that we've got the highest probability of making a a really good quality decision. Um, And there's this thesis out there that you really need 10,000 hours of experience before you become good at something. Uh, So that might be seven to 10 years worth of doing it every day before you become really an expert. Uh, And so if all we're doing is buying a couple of properties in our lifetime, we're well and truly far away from uh, being expert. And so not only uh, the, the risk is that you buy the wrong property, but also the risk is that you don't buy the right property. You know, that you overlook a potential opportunity not realising how good it is because of your lack of experience. And of course, the flip side to that is buying the wrong asset. Um, And you don't have to make a big mistake. Uh, Even a 1% differential in capital growth rate over 30 years will equate to 30% difference in value. So like a small... A small error here, you know, is in over three decades is going to cost you a lot of money. So my thesis is that you should take every possible reasonable step to increase the probability of buying the best possible asset that your budget can afford, an asset that has the highest probability of generating the highest capital growth rate over the next 20 to 30 years. And I think the best way to do that uh, is to get advice. Uh, get independent advice from someone that you trust, someone that has lots of experience in that particular geographical market. And the way I look at it is it's insurance. I'm paying insurance premium against reducing the risk that I'm going to make a mistake. You can't ever eliminate the risk. Nothing is guaranteed, but you can certainly reduce it significantly. And if we um, think about you know the cost of a buyer's agent um, can, compared to the differential in growth rate. So if if a 1% higher growth rate equals 30% more equity in 30 years time, then arguably there's an 8,000% return on paying for a buyer's agent. So in the short term, it stings a bit because it's expensive, but in the long run, we'll look back and go, well, that that was probably the best investment we've made. Okay, so if we sum up the five mistakes that I've witnessed, the first one is uh, not using a buyer's agent to buy property outside their domicile state. Uh, Don't buy a development site without really good due diligence. Uh, Don't buy anything new or anything off the plan. Uh, Don't place too much emphasis on rental income. Really focus on capital growth Uh, and pay for advice. Uh, Get a second opinion at at least uh, to avoid making a mistake. This quote from Eleanor Roosevelt, I think, sums it up perfectly, and it is, learn from the mistakes of others. You can't live long enough to make them all yourself. (laughs) And that's uh, absolutely true, and particularly when it comes to investing, 
and investing in property in particular because we're investing such a large amount in one transaction. Uh, mistakes can be incredibly costly. And if you can learn from other people's mistakes, I think it goes a long way to maximising your success. And I hope sharing these mistakes that I've witnessed over the last 20 years uh, has been useful uh, to help you do that. Of course, if you enjoy the podcast, uh, please share it amongst family, friends and colleagues if you think they're going to benefit from listening. Uh, And of course, uh, I remind you, if you want to leave a rating uh, wherever you're listening to the podcast, that would be much appreciated also. Until next week, bye for now.